Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. podcast i am your host lugash and uh we are talking about nfl draft tonight is that correct vodka yeah this show is brought to you by three top and vodka actually no this is your friends at take it a blitz oh i hold you here this is uh once again your host shoeless adam danger uh joined again by my brother from the same mother joshy numbers joshy how you doing hi hi and uh, we're also joined and graced with the presence of the president, Joy. Joy, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Please ignore any sounds of Super Mario or other video games in the background uh, as we are still all living together at home. And my kids don't care that I might have something else going on in my life. For legal reasons, we can't have Super Mario on this podcast because I can't pay for the rights to the music. Well... I will uh, I'll get as far away from it as is humanly possible. No, that's fine. Any incidental music, uh, you know, this is part of the joy of the podcast. He, 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 pun intended. Uh, but let's get to a game. Let's talk about the first night of the NFL draft. Uh, for all intents and purposes, it was very, very exciting for some teams, and it was quizzical for others. Uh, one thing I do want to point out just to get us started is I was a little dismayed at the lack of technical errors and glitches that we were promised earlier in the week. I was really hoping that there was going to be some sort of snafu that happens that prevented the uh, Jaguars from drafting. I don't know about you guys. You know, I was, I, um, it was so seamless and there was, it was no nonsense. And I have to say there was a part of me that liked that we just got down to business Right, without the big crowd and all of the sort of rah-rah stuff around it. I actually really enjoyed that it was just like focused on, you know, the the actual athletes um, and the teams and the decisions instead of like hearing all of the sort of like making it making it more of a spectacle, right? Like it's been over the past few years. So I appreciated that it was it was a back to basics kind of draft. I I still think there's too much time between picks, and one of the things that pisses me off the most is seeing, oh, the pick is in, and then we're still waiting upwards of five minutes for that pick to be announced. Like, we got to speed that up. Uh, the draft started at seven last night, and I think it's or seven uh, Central Standard Time, and I think it's been starting at six uh, Central Standard Time the past couple of years. But I mean, starting it at seven, and then it like the first pick didn't get announced until thirty minutes in on the show. Um, and there are points where the draft kind of lagged and we were just waiting 10 minutes between picks. Um, 
they just got to really work on, you know, hey, the pick is in. Let's go ahead and announce it as soon as possible. Uh, I know that there's a lot of um, technical things on the uh, back end that they got to work on and making sure the commissioner is ready. But um, for doing a draft like this where, yeah, there isn't a lot of hullabaloo involved, uh, it still just took way too long at points. Well, I did like how they would have, like, the pick is in, and then they would cut to a commercial and do like, yeah, a Yeah, no, that's what I'm talking about. Right. Like, like, listen, we all know that the the walk for for Roger Goodell from whatever phone off screen to back on screen in his basement is not a very long walk. You don't need a commercial break. We we I agree you could have cut down on time. Uh, I, as we were watching it, my wife and I were, were sitting there watching it. She goes, Oh, he must be getting hot because Roger Goodell kept shedding like jackets and like a sweater. I was like, he's probably drunk. He's probably drinking off screen. He's like, all right, let's get going. Hey, everybody, how about those booze, huh? Yeah, keep it he, up. He, keep it up. He, he was he busy TikToking with Jerry Judy. No. He definitely wasn't eating those M&Ms that were like right there. He had like a bowl of M&Ms. I don't know if you saw and they just yeah. remained untouched throughout the whole four and a half hours. It was almost like Chekhov's gun. Like you're like, just somebody make a move on the M&Ms. Somebody eat them. Somebody get them. Just, the- just grab a handful and be like the Denver Broncos, like Jerry Judy and just pop a couple. And like he did look like he was in a secure bunker, like in every kind of disaster film where the president is inside a, a mountain or something like my fellow Americans. He just looked at it just kind of dead eyed and just trying to crack jokes. Uh, somebody talked, I think, I think it was cousin Sal on, on Bill Simmons's podcast was like, they really should have, uh, gotten a host, like a legit host, like a Jimmy Kimmel or somebody that's like, cause Roger was doing a lot of heavy lifting, like, and we're back. Uh, here are all the fans from, uh, you know, the USS you know, Nimitz or whatever. Like, you know, he was really thrown to things and I mean, they, he was working for his paycheck. I gotta give him that. It just, it wasn't great all the time, but you know, that, we got to work with what we got. Uh, I guess we'll start off with the Dallas Cowboys. Really excited for CeeDee Lamb to be drafted. Uh, I didn't think it was going to happen. If you listen to any Cowboys react, they didn't interview CeeDee Lamb because they were pretty sure he was done by 10. Like They knew that by the 10th pick, he was going to get picked up, so it wasn't even worth doing any kind of cursory knowledge or interviews or questions or anything. And, and believe me, they had the opportunity to interview all the top 100 guys. What else were they doing? You know, they were just going to Skype call people. Hey, how you doing? Just want to get a beat on you. My name is Jerry Jones. But they didn't do any of that. And so once he fell to 17, as much as I love the pick, I'm going to be honest, it was just dumb luck. I don't know what you guys think. It, it was, you know what? It, it was the universe looking out for you and me and and Joshy Numbers and all the other Cowboys fans who have had to suffer through stupid choices over the years, um, or the and and really just um, also I feel like we we live in the darkest timeline right now. Um, True, and it is the one that is like that is the most confusing and least sensical. And so in a situation where Jerry Jones is in charge of the pick and has instructed none of his scouts to speak to him, the most nonsensical, least Jerry Jones thing that could have happened is to make a sensible choice. And so I feel like that's what happened here. It, you also got to look at how we got there, too, because yesterday afternoon and all throughout the day, 
the three of us were texting and I think we kind of we figured that we were going to get Jerry Judy and I think we all kind of had our hearts set on that especially knowing that Jerry was going to make the pick himself and you know you had the three big receivers you had Ruggs uh, Jerry Judy and CD Lamb um, and I think we all kind of thought that one of them and it was probably going to be Jerry Judy was going to fall to the Cowboys um, but Oakland ends up taking Ruggs as the first receiver, um, which is an extremely Oakland pick because he was the fastest receiver. Maybe not necessarily the not necessarily the best, but it's like, oh, this guy's fast. Like I, I was just getting uh, Darius Hayward Bay like flashbacks Flashback. all over again. And then Denver goes ahead and picks Jerry Judy, um, and I like Jerry Judy a lot. And I was fine if we were going to take him. Uh, I was just I was surprised that. Denver just chose him. I don't know if they, I didn't know if John Elway really realized that CeeDee Lamb was still there. Um, and then it's coming closer and closer. And I believe Atlanta picked before us. Uh, and I was like, you know, I could see them, you know, probably picking him. They definitely don't need him. Uh, but Atlanta just, they, they need a lot. Um, and then all of a sudden, no, they, they go defensive back. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, you know, are we going to take C.D. Lamb or are we going to go for, you know, something that we really need? And the camera just pans to Jerry Jones and he's just laughing like he just pulled. Yes, off the I saw eye. that. It shows <laughs> then it shows Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy's laughing. They're both on the phone with each other and they're laughing. And you're just at that moment. I was just like, oh, my God, we got C.D. Lamb. And now I'm excited. Then they finally announced a pick and. Guys, I, I felt so good after that. Like, dumb luck, but also teams just, I I don't know. Like, how do you pass on the best receiver in the draft twice? Like, yeah. Well, no, not just the best receiver, but I feel like one of the things that is exciting about C.D. Lamb is, um, you know, Jerry has a penchant and soft spot for, um, let's say, problematic players. Yeah, um, who maybe have not um, had the greatest work ethic or the best attitudes. And I think that's what, to me, is most exciting about C.D. Lamb specifically, is that all indications are this kid has an incredible work ethic and is very Absolutely. driven. And I think that, like, from a culture perspective, man, it could be a great culture shift for the Cowboys, right, to bring a guy like this on as a high-profile receiver. So, um, So that piece of it I'm also really excited about. Yeah, I, I was I was on a Zoom, like a draft party Zoom, and while the pick was going on, one of the people on the Zoom, uh, my coworker Miranda goes, "Oh my God, all the all the uh, hue out of Mike McCarthy's face, like his face just looked drained. Like he was laughing a little bit, and then he got kind of serious. And she goes, "Oh my God, he looks so serious. Something bad happened. This is right before they announced the pick." I go, "Shut up, Miranda. No, no." And then when they said C.D. Lamb, I was, you know, excited. And I started thinking to myself, well, maybe Mike McCarthy's thinking like, oh, think of all the possibilities I can run with Gallup and Coop and now C.D. Lamb and all different kinds of formations. Like maybe his brain was already working at such a at such a high speed, at a quantum speed that he was thinking about all the different matchups, that, you know, and formations that they can do and run. But there was a second where it just kind of looked like Mike McCarthy's face just kind of just uh would pale i don't know why <laughs> well it, and and it's probably you're probably exactly right because if you look at cd lamb and just how he plays 
he's like the perfect receiver for a Mike McCarthy system. Um, and how he's going to utilize them with Dak and then our other two receivers. I'm, I'm so excited. Like a, you couldn't have picked the more, a more perfect coach for CD lamb to come into in an offensive system. Like I, Mike McCarthy's probably the most excited person on earth. And then CD lamb should be second because they're about to just untap so much potential with him in that lineup. It's going to be unreal watching them. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty excited for the for you know to I'm hoping that they'll continue to use him as a punt returner. Um, yes, me too. Yeah, because because I think that's been kind of one of the things that's been you know lacking a little bit from Cowboys special teams perspective. Um, and so I so I'm I'm hoping that they continue to do that. Like this is a, this is a kid who's um, he's an adult. Um, He's not a kid. <laughs> As we were reminded last night, these are adults. Um, the, he he is he's a player who um, you know let's you know he's multi-purpose. Let's use him that way. Yeah, definitely. I oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was going to say to that point, and I've kind of been reading all day, and it looks like they do plan to use him in a returner, um, you know, role as well. So that's exciting because he obviously has game breaker speed um and yeah I, I agree punt and kick returning is just something that this team hasn't had since i don't know woody dantzler um but hey. yeah <laughs> yeah no deep cut but yeah i i'm so excited i i don't know if he's necessarily going to be the number two receiver right off the bat i, I think he's going to be the number three and then maybe work his way and and uh, you know usurp michael gallup for that number two role but yeah, having somebody on special teams with game breaker speed, that's exciting. He's he's just going to give this team such a different, more dynamic look than what we saw last year where kind of in the middle of the season, the offense is just anemic and just flat out bad sometimes. Right. I mean, it's kind of funny that, you know, two years ago, we went into the season thinking, oh, we're going to do like a receiver by committee. And we had Alan Hearns and we had all these kind of like also ran kind of wide receivers and that, you know, it took half a season, but then we got Amari Cooper. We drafted Michael Gallup. So it's kind of that about face from uh, receiver by committee to actually having probably, and I would say like the best receiving core in the National Football League. And I think it's just a, a big shift in philosophy. I think if the Garrett regime were still here, I think they would still be in Jerry's ear and be like, no, we don't have to go too flashy, Jerry. Like, don't. Don't do anything silly. We've got a guy that we really like. We really, you know, they could have gone with Chase on, who I think is okay. I, I think he's just a little raw. I wouldn't have liked him at that at that pick at 17, even though he's it's a need. Uh, I think this is more of the McCarthy of just bring me the best player. Bill Parcells famously said, this is a talent acquisition business. Just bring in the talent. Don't overthink it. Don't, you know, sequester yourself to... to you know, spark metrics and, you know, this is the guy that will fit and he will do exactly what we need him to do. And, you know, like a Taco Charlton, when a TJ Watt, who's probably just a better football player, is sitting there, right? Like that's where we've gotten in trouble the past couple of years is just bringing in players that will do exactly what we need them to do uh, and not bring in just either smarter or just better football players. Uh, so I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think... Um... I think the other thing that, you know, we, we talked some about uh, in, in previous podcasts about that uh, the, you know, 
how, who were they going to draft? Were they going to pull a quarterback? How, what would Dak think, right? Like kind of what's Dak's mentality? I feel like, you know, bringing in, uh, you know, another super solid, um, high quality target for Dak um, is, I feel like it's a good move towards potentially, conti- you know, working with Dak over the course of the next season to, re- to work something out, right? Like for him to want to stay here long-term and for the Cowboys to figure out a way to make it work. Um, yeah, you're I right. like Dak aside from all of this partying during coronavirus stuff, which drives me nuts. Um, you know, in terms of as a player, I love Dak and I, and I am hopeful that he will continue to be the franchise quarterback. And I think a move like this um, says like, Hey, you know, look, we want to give our, our star quarterback, some additional reliable solid targets um somebody that can really make him look good too and 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 you know sort of build on his successes so i i also like it from the potentiality of what it can do in terms of keeping dak here longer term well and and to that one of the things that i wanted to bring up is knowing what you know now i mean do you would you have at this point you know, I know we've re-signed Amari Cooper, but at this point, would you have rather just franchised him and then give Dak all that money now? Because now you have a legitimate guy that can come in day one, and on any other team, he could be a number one receiver. Um, he's going to be our number three receiver. Like, that's how good Amari Cooper is. That's how good Michael Gallup is. But yeah. just knowing now what we have and how we just landed CeeDee Lamb, I mean, would you have gone back and just given Dak that money and then franchise Coop and either give Coop money next year or maybe let him go in case these two guys, um, you know, go out and, and perform as well as we think they can uh, and all that money that you're giving to Coop over the next few years, you know, solidify uh, the team a little more. I, I mean, I don't know if anybody else was thinking that when we got CD Lamp, but that was one of the first things that came to my mind. Yeah, I wish we had done that. And yet also I recognize that like you plan for worst case scenario, right? Like I don't think yeah, you know, I don't think any of us thought that that any receiver of that caliber would have been still available at 17. Um and and so, you know, you do what you can with the information you have at the time and uh, you know, hindsight yeah, you- Hindsight is what it is. <laughs> you know, think, it would be amazing to have a crystal ball to have seen that this was going to happen. Um, yeah, it would have positioned us a lot better, I think, longer term. Um, but I, but I also think that I, I, you know, I we still expected there was a chance there was going to be a third kicker, right? I mean, so. <laughs> I mean, there's still t- we got we got six more rounds, y'all. That's true. We do have plenty of time. Plenty, plenty of time for kickers and punters. Uh, I think the next the, the thing we also need to consider is Dak, I think, no excuses. Like, you have to take that next step. I think right now he is a really, really good bus driver. And he doesn't get hurt. He doesn't really kind of play out of control too much. I think he, he could be safe. And for a team that has, you know, like a, a Baltimore Ravens Super Bowl defense, that's good enough, right? Like, that'll, that'll help you win a game or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers – uh, Super Bowl champions, but for Dak, you really don't have any excuses now. You've got uh, the best wide receiving core in the in the NFL. You still have Zeke there. You know things are going to open up. Even at their tight end position, I really want to see what um, uh, I was just going to say. Matt Blake Bell, uh, like the other 
Yeah, there you go. Jarwin. Uh, you know, it can open up. And I also want to see not just Mike McCarthy, but I want to see what Kellen Moore has in plans. Because I know Kellen Moore seems they, – they talk about him like he's this coaching prodigy that he just eats and sleeps and he's always just doodling in his uh, playbook. So it's very exciting. I'm very excited. I would not have thought this this draft. I honestly kind of came into this draft thinking that there wasn't too much talent. And I still don't think so. I still don't think this is like a super talent-rich draft. But we just, you know, things got lucky. Some some mistakes were made or some quizzical moves. And I want to start talking about more about the quizzical moves that happened. I want to talk a little bit. Uh, let's start with one of our favorite punching bags, Dave Gettleman. I would like someone, I'd like someone to, to just tell me, why was Dave Gettleman by himself looking into a computer, putting on a, uh, a mask? You know, it's all about I, optics. Uh, you know, it's all about op- show people that you are following the rules, right? Um, now, uh, confusion about what the rules are happens. Uh, I think that's the case here. Just a little, little bit of ignorance about, uh, you know, I, I, I will say um, it's, it's better than we're getting from a lot of um, governmental leadership that he's at least trying uh, that's for sure. To follow the rules. So there's that, you know. Uh, I will make fun of him for it, but at the same time, I think I get where he was coming from. It just it fell a little flat. Was was that mass cutting off the circulation to his brain? Because I do not know why you draft probably the third or fourth best offensive tackle uh, with the fourth pick when a monster like Isaiah Simmons is just right there. Um, and even worse. Yes, and if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go OT, select best available. I like Andrew Thomas. I think Andrew Thomas is going to be a really good guy, and I understand wanting to go ahead and protect Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. But you get the the third or fourth best offensive tackle um, when a guy like Isaiah Simmons, who I think is just going to be like he's so valuable because he's positionless on, on defense where he can play upwards of seven positions. I, I mean, he's just, he's that good. I, I think he was honestly maybe one of the two or three best players uh, available um, just in the whole draft. And you let that guy go for an offensive tackle who wasn't even the best OT available. I, I This is Bill O'Brien levels of just stupidity. Yeah, I, I'm just surprised. I we sent out that photo of Dave Gettleman before the draft where he was just by himself with one computer and everybody else, you know, all the other kind of GMs were, were frantically trying to get as many screens as possible hooked up to their, their home office just so they could do real time analysis and, and maybe make trades and stuff. He had one computer and a huge book that looks like the U S tax code, right? Like that's all he went in with. And then when they show him in the draft, he's dressed nicely, but then he's putting on his mask after the pick is made, he looks like, you know, uh, an American Psycho or something where you kill a person and then you're just putting the mask on, right? Like, oh, I got to get out of here. Try not uh, to breathe in the fumes. Yeah. Uh, like, he just dropped some sort of toxic chemicals. Or maybe the toxic chemicals were in the mask. Maybe it was it was huffing time, right? Yes! Oh! Yeah. <laughs> you pulled a Larry <laughs> Tumson. <laughs> oh, that was, yeah. So, Dave Gettleman, I... You know, these are the kind of moves that that really shake up a draft. Uh, and again, kind of just going quickly back to the Cowboys. The Cowboys did what sensible teams like the Steelers and the Patriots, uh, the Chiefs do is 
you know, you build your board, you you rank, you know, uh, players one to three hundred. Here's where we like them. Here's what's good, and just stick with it. Like if if your research is good enough, if your scouting is good enough, just trust it because people will do boneheaded things that work out in your favor. You just have to wait. Like don't come and thinking I need to trade back. I'm gonna get a couple picks. Just let the draft come to you. Know let the market come to you. And so not only was it Dave Gettleman, you know. Taking an offensive tackle, which I get, it wasn't really going to hurt the Cowboys. That just keeps pushing talent back, in fact. And that allows other GMs, uh, I would say Mike Mayock and John Gruden. You knew John Gruden was only going to go with, like, big school guys. Like, he's not really doing a lot of uh, research or anything. So once it came to, like, Henry Ruggs, I was like, well, he's going to go with Ruggs from Alabama. He's going to go with Judy from Alabama. That's what I thought. I was like, okay. So uh, he's just going to stick with big, big school guys again, just pushing more talent. Uh, to the Cowboys. But what about John Kuna? How was, how was his first uh, two picks here in the first round? I, I don't, I'm not a fan. I mean, I, I like Henry Ruggs, and honestly, I, I think he's a second-round receiver. I, I think he's more value there. I, I just, I don't know. It, it kind of just seems like every move that Gruden does, he's either overthinking it or not thinking enough about it. I kind of just wanted to say in our division, as far as bad draft picks, and kind of circle back to the Cowboys, because, yes, we ended up selecting C.D. Lamb, and I think at some point Philadelphia thought that C.D. Lamb was going to fall to them. Um, Philadelphia just panics, uh, and they get <laughs> Jalen Rager, who— not not the best wide receiver available. Like, Justin Jefferson's still yeah. there. I would have been happy with Justin Jefferson at 17. Um, I, I, I think he's a good player. But to go with Jalen Raker, I mean, I, that Eagles wide receiving core near the end of the season, they showed, uh, like, the depth chart of the four guys that they had. Just <laughs> all no name. And, and really, really bad guys. Like, I literally started laughing when I saw the name J.J. Uh, Arcego Whiteside. Yeah, uh, because I just remember how how really bad he was towards the end of the season, and and my girlfriend was like, "What are you laughing at?" And I was just like, "It's showing the Philadelphia Eagles receiving core that's still on the team." Um, and then they just panic and get Jalen Rager, and Jalen Rager's a nice player. Again, though, second round guy in my opinion. Uh, you probably could have gotten him in the second round, uh, but they panic. They get him and. That kind of, I, I, I don't understand that move. And then it kind of opens the door for a team like Minnesota that then gets Justin Jefferson. And, and Minnesota is one of my big winners of the evening. I thought they had a fantastic draft. Um, and then they're able to go ahead and get Justin Jefferson to kind of uh, replace Stefan Diggs, who, who they right. you know lost. So you're replacing that production with a cheap, much cheaper rookie contract. Uh, so Minnesota wins there, but I, I honestly don't know what Philadelphia was doing picking Jalen Rager. That was just a reach, and that just reeked of just panicking at the last minute. Joy, any thoughts on our uh, esteemed colleagues at the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, esteemed colleagues? <laughs> um, uh, I always appreciate when our longtime rivals uh, do dumb things. And make stupid decisions. Uh, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. So I am, uh, I am, I am really enjoying the sort of uh, panic choice that they seem to have made. Uh, you know, I, I'm. Uh, I, there aren't, in, there isn't anything to me that's redeemable at all about the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> 
I kind of wish they'd accidentally drafted a kicker or, you know, uh, missed their pick. Um, but, uh, but if, if those two options were not going to play out in, in, uh, you know, in an ideal world, uh, sort of panic selecting, a, a questionable receiver is, I'm great. I think yeah, that's great. How, Good for you, how, Philadelphia. How bad do you have to be where you got pit, outpicked in your own division by the Washington Redskins? And I realize right. the Redskins have the second pick. Um, and there's obviously valuable talent and, and Chase Young was really kind of a no brainer at number two, but that's the Washington football team that we're talking about. That team always overreaches and picks bad players. And even Ron Rivera was like, nah, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to go chalk on this one. I'm, I'm going to go with the guy that's probably going to be an all pro in about two years. Um, yeah, Philadelphia, that's, you got, you got Bill O'Brien on that one. <laughs> So I, I think it's safe to say we're going to run away with the NFC East. I'm calling it now uh, here in April, late April. But uh, assuming we're playing football uh, sometime later this year. Right. But, uh, that's uh, let's let's not bury the lead here. Let's let's dive into what's Green Bay up to. What are those scamps up to over there in, uh, in Green Bay? Honestly, I don't think they know. Um, and if you've read anything over the past, uh, I'd say, 12 hours or so, Aaron Rodgers didn't have an idea either. Aaron Rodgers is furious, and that makes me happy because I, I don't like Aaron Rodgers at all. Um, but, yeah, I, it's fine getting getting a quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is 36. I still think he has some, some juice left in the tank. This is a team that they went to the NFC Championship. They got blown out, but they still made it to the NFC title game. Um, Aaron Rodgers is still a really good, competent quarterback, but... Yeah, I mean, they're obviously, they're building for a future without him. I know him and him the head coach clashed last season. LaFleur, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and uh, you know, he had his problems with Mike McCarthy, too, leading to Mike McCarthy's exit. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I read something where it said, you know, the Green Bay Packers organization never deserved Aaron Rodgers. And that may be true in some respect. But Aaron Rodgers, to me, especially over the past couple of years, is just, been a poster child for just petulance and just being a child at times um and this kind of just seems like a big middle finger to him by the organization i love it because i hate the green bay packers um i know that packer fans are just kind of split on everything but uh yeah i mean that that just got my blood but just like popping like i couldn't go to sleep afterwards because <laughs> i was just so excited that they're in such disarray i love it i i gotta you know here's the thing um for me, like the, the character flaws that Aaron Rodgers has not overcome for me, right? And, and Josh, you used the word petulance, and that is the best way to describe his, his, his attitude, his demeanor um, back, uh, you know, back in his college days. I very vividly recall um, a, a sports radio interview he was doing, and he was just trashing Vince Young. I mean, just, you know, in a way that was really unsportsmanlike and not appropriate. Like, Vince Young is probably, granted, look, he flamed out in the NFL, but from a college quarterback. He was mercurial, yeah. I, I mean, you know, once-in-a-lifetime kind of talent. That dude was amazing. And for Aaron Rodgers to be so, he was he was so 
I don't know, just like so full of jealousy and, and, you know, frustration that he wasn't getting all the limelight, you know, to, to go on a talk radio show and, and, and talk down about one of the best college quarterbacks ever. Um, just to me demonstrated a lack of um, integrity and, and professionalism. And I think that that has carried over for sure into his time at the Packers. I, if, if you all recall, when Aaron Rodgers was first drafted, remember how much he moped and whined about warming the bench for uh, Brett Favre. Right? And, and that's one of the things with Aaron Rodgers, like his whole career, and I think he hit the nail right on the head, is He's never been the top guy in college. You know, you brought up Vince Young, a better, bigger name than him. He goes into the NFL. Uh, he's sitting under Brett Favre for several years. Um, he finally gets a shot. He, he does win a Super Bowl. But Aaron Rodgers, like, he's never thought of in the conversation as the best quarterback of his generation. I think he may be the most talented, um, definitely has the best arm. But, you know, if you ask anybody that's played through those seasons he's he may be third behind obviously brady and maybe peyton manning and, and then maybe even somebody Breeze. like Drew Brees. um yeah, yeah and, and rogers uh, never got the time to be the top guy at all um and maybe there was probably about one or two seasons where he probably was on top but i don't think he necessarily was the generational guy that he would like to think of himself as and i mm-hmm. think that bothers him and Green Bay obviously sees that, and they think that maybe he's becoming a little washed. Who knows? But, yeah, he's just always had a chip on his shoulder, sometimes for, for decent reasons, um, but a lot of times just unnecessarily. He's just he's just a really odd guy to figure out. So all these salient points, like, I, I agree with, and I can see, but Jordan Love, he's not great. Like, uh, no. he threw 17 interceptions last year. In his last year at uh, well, Utah State, uh, he he was a project, and I, so what I don't understand is how did the Packers move up and give away like draft capital just to move up? Like no one was going to take this guy ahead of you. I think they moved up like four spots. He's a he's a project. He's going to take you know he's not you know Lamar Jackson uh, who's just going to who was drafted too late, right? That guy was drafted way too late, and he showed that you know he had this uh, phenomenal talent. This guy, you know, he it's just hit or miss. And it, it may take a, a couple of seasons. And may I don't know if the Packers are thinking, cool, well, Rodgers, he's still under contract. He's just gonna have to play, and this guy's gonna have to ride the bench, and we're just gonna like run this back. Well, uh, I, I, I think that's gotta that. be it. And and so and for context, because of course, you know, all of our devices are listening to us all of the time. I just Googled how old was Brett Favre when Aaron Rodgers was drafted. Um, Aaron Rodgers now is a year older than Brett Favre Brett. was when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, so, I read that. I, so I think it's 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 interesting to me that he would have this sort of reaction when it's like, dude, same thing happened with you, right? Like, I mean, that's how you came into the league. Maybe, just maybe, you have the opportunity to control the narrative here and and do something good with it, right? Like spend some time really training up a young quarterback. Um, and and if you really care about this franchise and this team and your teammates and the future of the Green Bay Packers organization, like, do that for them, right? I mean, how hard is it to take somebody under your wing and mentor them? I guess if you well, are, you know, super self-centered, it's very difficult. But Well, um, and 
his contract is up in 2022. So he's got he's got two more seasons with Green Bay. And if he doesn't resign, which at this point, I don't know why he would. Um, just because of how the organization or how he perceives the organization has treated him. I don't know why you'd resign. Um, and I think that probably gives Love, uh, Jordan Love, a, a better opportunity to kind of learn under him. Jordan Love's best game last year was a, my, my buddy Matt had kind of alerted it to me. His best game last year was a nine to seven win against Michigan State last year. So he's not exactly a guy that was just lighting it up last year. It's like, oh, here's a Pat Mahomes that maybe people slept on. Like, no, he's, He's not. He, he, yes. Does he have some talent? Obviously. But I don't think he was a guy that needed to be picked in the first round. He's a he's a second round guy to me. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's going to be really fun the next couple of months and probably seasons to see how Rodgers reacts. Uh, it looks like he kind of thought that they were going to go ahead and get him weapons. And that's what the team had promised him. Instead, they got somebody who may usurp him here well, that, shortly. That kind of reminds me of uh, the Ben Roethlisberger, right? When did they go first or second round? Uh, was it May? Not Mayfield. What was the the backup court? Like they got a quarterback late first round. He was just like, "Why are they going ahead and doing that? I need weapons. I need this and that." And the guy, I think, was an okay quarterback. I don't think he was. He's going to replace Bannon. And Bannon was last like like they. That is a team. I feel like maybe that's what the Packers are looking at. They're looking at a situation like the Steelers where, like, the if the Steelers had, you know, had maybe a, tried to acquire a better quarterback, they could transition from Ben Roethlisberger uh, and still compete in the AFC. And now the AFC, aside from the Chiefs, like, you can, you can win the AFC North. Uh, and maybe the Packers are like, well, we want to get ahead of it. I just don't think Jordan Love was the guy to do that. I don't think he needed to jump up to get him. And it's just kind of interesting just to see, okay, well, here's here's Aaron Rodgers squirming. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, with there not being any sports and any football, now the microscope is going to be on top of Aaron Rodgers and the whole situation because what else do we have to talk about? It's not like we're having the NBA playoffs going on right now. Like, this this isn't going to be, like, buried to the, the back of the sports pages or anything because we got nothing else. I, I believe the name you're looking for was Mason Rudolph. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Go, Remember that go, guy. go Pokes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, after that, I think that was a pretty interesting draft. So I'm really excited to kind of see what happens uh, the next few days, uh, not just for the Cowboys, but for the, the league in general. And hopefully it does speed up tonight that we just kind of go boom, boom, boom. Like this really does become your uh, fantasy football draft where, you know, you hate being sitting there and like, you know, Johnny uh, is taking the entire seven minutes to pick. Because he left it on auto draft, right? Like you're just sitting there, come on, come on, I'm waiting to get, I'm waiting <laughs> to get the uh, Vikings defense or whatever. So hopefully this this does speed up. But yeah, it was it was very enjoyable. Uh, outside the draft, I wanted to uh, change gears here. Uh, Joy, tell us the story about Tom Brady making a very simple accident that we've all uh, made. This is, um, uh, to my mind. Um, the second most embarrassing thing that Tom Brady has done this uh, calendar year. The first one, of course, being uh, throwing an interception in his very last play in a Patriots jersey. Um, so Tom Brady needed to go pick something up from the home of Byron Leftwich, who, of course, now is one coaching on the coaching staff for um, the 
Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as apparently oh, people are calling it. Uh, this world is I, really, really falling down. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, times are tough, y'all. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and so anyway, so he uh, he's he's not familiar with Tampa, right? He hasn't lived here very long. Uh, he's he's new to town. Uh, so drives into Byron Left, which is neighborhood. Uh, Byron had told him, hey, man, you know, I'm not going to be there trying to do the social distancing thing. Door will be open. Um, so Tom Brady walks into a home uh, carrying two large duffel bags, uh, at which point um, a man named David, decidedly not Byron Leftwich, says, hey, man, what are you doing in my house? Um, Tom Brady walked into the wrong home. Uh the homeowner uh, saw him and didn't know what was going on or what was happening. And apparently after some confused interaction, Tom Brady said, am I in the wrong house? And the homeowner said, yeah, man, I think so. Now, to hear the homeowner tell it, um, here's the part of the story that is a real head scratcher to me. Because this is um, a middle-aged white man living in the United States of America who did not recognize Tom Brady. It was not until <laughs> after Tom Brady left his home that he realized that was Tom Brady and maybe he should run out and try to get a picture with him. By the time he ran out to try to get him, Tom Brady had already gone into Byron Leftwich's home, which was adjacent, uh, right next door, and apparently the exact same style house. So, uh, you know, the moral of this story is don't live in a cookie cutter neighborhood this is the problem. Um, also, uh, if I've learned anything from the television show Weeds, your neighbors might also be drug dealers. But uh, but also, uh, Tom Brady might just randomly visit your house, and then you won't get a picture with him. And, uh, and the only way people will believe you and believe that it happened is because Tom Brady will then tweet about it and admit that he basically was breaking and entering into random strangers' homes. Um, I just find this to be... This is a dude who, like, refuses to eat strawberries and tomatoes because they're somehow toxic to you or, so, like, some other complete and total nonsense. Like, I've, you know, maybe we're just – maybe Tom Brady is just – he's like a savant, right? He's only smart at football. And he's good-looking. So, like, things have really broken his way. Uh, I want to go back to poor Dave. Was that the, the homeowner? Uh, I'm going to put myself in his shoes. I'm quarantining – I've obviously left my door unlocked because of reasons. I don't want to be disturbed. I'm watching Touched by an Angel, and all of a sudden, uh, Tom Brady with two duffel bags uh, shows up. I mean, if this was a fever dream, you couldn't make this up. If this was some sort of hallucinogenic, if this is like a Doc Ellis, like I took too much LSD, and Tom Brady and two duffel bags showed up, you know, it would be hard to believe. But, but this... I can't believe it happened. And I just can't, to me, the, the baffling part is that uh, Byron Leftwich and his neighbor have left their doors unlocked. So, you know, right? we're really getting back to a time when you could just leave your doors unlocked and you just we, felt we, safer. We have officially made America great again. If by great again, you mean that time in American history in the 1950s where everybody left their doors unlocked and the only people who came in were Tom Brady. It reminds me of, I believe it's either Bowling for Columbine or Fahrenheit 9-11, where Michael Moore goes and visits Canada, and he's like, he just does the same thing. He just goes to some random person's house and opens the door, and they're just like, hi, and he's like, I just wanted to see if you guys kept your doors unlocked like we do, or your doors unlocked, unlike what we do in America. 
that was the first thing that I thought of. I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, uh, Tom Brady, uh, not not good at directions. Maybe Google Maps led him in the wrong direction. Um, Byron Leftwich probably led him in the wrong direction, but that wouldn't be the first time that Byron Leftwich has led a Florida team in the wrong direction. Let someone astray. Yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. But that's just kind of the news I think we, we expect today. I mean, I, I got to be honest, you know, I don't know if that is any smarter than the leader of the free world telling us that we should inject some uh, uh, cleaner into our body to really clean up the lungs, you know, some disinfectant. Disinfectant, or yes. Do not yeah. inject disinfectants. Uh, I used to be a lawyer, and I just want to make sure that we have absolved ourselves of any liability here. Don't do that. It's not so you're saying don't do that. Do not inject disinfectants or inject light. First of all, it is, in fact, impossible to inject light into yourself. That's not how light waves work. Um, but also, do not inject disinfectants. Um, Don't tell I, Tom Brady. Yeah, well, you know, somebody may need to let Tom Brady know, I think. Uh, he's things are, things are rough. And, and, but, but, but by the way, guys, I gotta say, I am, I am right now looking at, um, a photo on TMZ, um, of the two houses that, that I will admit are almost identical. Um, but one is significantly bigger than the other, like noticeably much larger. Um, you I'm know, hoping that's the neighbor's house may not have been the most, um, you know, he was a, he was a fine NFL player and I'm sure yeah. he did well during his time. Right. Um, as, as a player. And now he's, you know, he's uh offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right. So, you know, he's doing all right for himself. Hey, um, he's got a job. They look similar, but like Byron left, which houses left, which's house is a lot bigger. So here's what I, here's what I think is interesting is that Tom Brady looked at these two nearly identical houses and was like, I think the guy who I'm working for now is in the smaller house. Like, <laughs> why would, there's no I way he could have made that much house. money. I mean, oh, I don't know. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, you know, but, they're, they're... but to Tom Brady, these are all like starter homes anyway. So, you know. Right. And I mean, like, when was the last time he had to, like, travel by himself to do anything? I mean, he might just be, like, that out of touch. He might be, like, George Bush level of, like, how do you check out at the grocery store level of, like, I, I have to go to somebody's house with duffel bags. It's not just kind of coming to me. Uh, yeah, so just really, really bizarre. Also, I don't know if it's equally bizarre, but having uh, Rob Gronkowski coming back to the – or coming to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, – I don't know how that's going to play out. I think he's going to, he's, I mean, we have fond memories of him from like four years ago, but you know, in the past two years, he was okay. Then he left. I do wonder, and I'm going to have to ask Josh numbers this. How does this put his 24 seven championship at risk? If he's going to be an active football player? Well, sir, I think he is going to have to put that title on the line at the next WWE pay-per-view, uh, which happens <laughs> to be money in the bank. Um, yeah, I, I kind of thought it was a big ploy. Like, the gears were turning in my head as, as soon as I saw that news. I was like, he's going to Tampa so he can stay in Florida almost year-round because when he's not going to be training or playing football games, he's going to go to the WWE Performance Center uh, so he can just go seamlessly into that wrestling career like we all thought he would. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought as soon as he signed that WWE deal, I was like, all right, here we go. And then 
he was the host of WrestleMania, which I don't know really how much hosting he actually did. Um, but yeah, he's the 24-7 champ. He's the only person that's a 24-7 champion and has multiple Super Bowl rings. So you He's know. really elevated that belt. I was really worried that he was going to get tackled by Jalen Ramsey and that Jalen Ramsey is going to get on top of him and then the ref is going to turn out to be like Mike Chioda, who actually got fired, but just go one, two, three. And then Jalen Ramsey now is your is your WWE 24-7 champion. Like I thought like, you know, maybe don't take the belt off of him. And if you're Vince, you need all the kind of like inter-company, uh, inter-sport promotion that you need. You know, times are kind of tough. So if you have some sort of gimmick going, I think uh, it'd be worthwhile to... Uh, yeah, you know, let's let's see what the options are here. But uh, yeah, so that's that's pretty crazy. Uh, we're gonna kind of start winding down here. What I wanted to do now is kind of introduce a new segment for us called "Winners and Losers." And uh, I'll get started. I'll come up with one winner. I'm gonna say Gus Malzahn. Seeing Gus Malzahn's house uh, was awesome. He had like a ping pong table. He had a huge banner that just said uh, "Hurry up, no huddle." And I was just like, okay, the guy like lives and breathes his offensive philosophy. He was just kicking back. And I, I if anything, that's the best part of like uh, recruiting that you could do for Auburn is just see Gus Malzahn living like a king and uh, and just uh, really soaking it in. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is really good. But I just love that he had that kind of like homemade banner that you would make at Kinko's and take like, you know, 40 bucks to make. But it, it's worth it. It's worth it. Uh, my loser... I'm going to go with uh, is poor Bill Belichick's setup that he was by himself <laughs> with three computers open. And I think uh, Joshua Numbers told me that his wife left his medicine out for him. Uh, you just it's, it's really hard seeing this invincible Palpatine-esque uh, brilliant mind for the past 30 years. It's just by himself quietly in a kitchen trying to figure out that he's just going to draft, you know, uh, trade back out of the first round. And so just kind of seem a little, I mean, even some of the other GMs and coaches, at least had their kids around. Like you'd see like John Lynch's kids, like these little girls were like, Hey, Dad. and he's just like, Oh, we're getting the good stuff here uh, for the 49ers. At least he saw some like human interaction. Jerry, at least he was on a, a super yacht and Charlie and like Charlotte Anderson, Jones Anderson was there like four feet apart. Like at least he had somebody there. Bill Belichick, all by himself, he just looked like some sort of sad, uh, maybe somewhat pseudo-Rockwell-esque painting. Uh, so my heart really went out for him, uh, just to kind of see that that sad uh, display there. Uh, Joshy Numbers, you said you had two winners and two losers. Let's hear them. Yeah, um, two winners. I had mentioned uh, the Minnesota Vikings being really good uh, in the draft. Uh, and actually, shout out to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, They've been really bad at retaining their talent, almost as bad as the Miami Dolphins, but good, like, just great draft there. Um, I, I really enjoyed that. Loser, um, man, let's talk about Mike Rabel. <laughs> let's just, let's unwrap that. Uh, there is somebody behind him wearing a Mike Rabel Pro Bowl jersey that seems to have a mullet. Um and then on the other side was somebody dressed up in a Frozone costume from the movie The Incredibles. Um, and then if you looked harder, there was a whole debate on whether there was somebody being reflective in the mirror uh, that looked like they were going potty, uh, essentially. <laughs> um, Mike Vrabel had to dispel that rumor late last night saying, 
No, it was just one of my sons sitting on a stool. Um, that's what it looked like. The fact that an NFL head coach, the guy that killed the Patriots dynasty, um, essentially has to dispel rumors of his son going potty on camera. I mean, come on, man. And, and what was the deal? Like, were those his kids dressed up as Frozone and in a and in, in a Pro Bowl jersey? Like, what was going on? Why couldn't they just, like, were they just trying to... Uh, like get on his nerves, like look, Dad. <laughs> you can't do nothing, and you could just see he Not- wasn't making any eye contact with the camera. He was just looking down the entire time, like this is the circus that this man lives in. And and then you see the big Tennessee Titans flag in the background, and it's kind of off center. It just, oh man, it it was almost as bad as uh, Bengals GM, who my second loser, Zach Taylor, who um, or no head coach rather. If you saw his setup, uh, all the jokes were flying early last night that it looked like he was closing your rocket mortgage or or something. (laughs) Very completely modest. Uh, Yeah, I I mean, I understand we're all in quarantine and and some of us have families and and spouses that work from home as well right now and and even kids that work from home. But man, if you're an NFL GM or head coach, you don't have a spot just at your house where... Hey, you know, do it up a little nice. You kind of knew this was coming for the past few weeks. Um, and you have, A, your whole family being set up there. Or B, uh, it looks like you're just going to be closing in on a mortgage and you're just waiting for that that premium to hit. Hey, shout out to Brian Flores because he had these two little guys, these two little boys. They were mugging and just hamming it up. And they were having a good time. And the guy, he doesn't blink. I'm like, this is why I like this coach from Miami. He wasn't blinking. He just kind of sat there at these kids and like they were looking off camera because you could tell like maybe, you know, I don't know, a producer or somebody was like or whoever had the camera was like, hey, kids, like he just kept doing his thing. I was like, good for him. Like he's a cool these little guys just having a good time. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> Zach Taylor, he just at least be on the phone or something, right? Like be like, oh, look, I'm taking an important call here. I'm trying to look at trades or whatever. He just looked like, oh, I'm done now. Can, can I leave? Uh, president. We've saved the best for last. Do you have any winners and losers for us today? That, you know, that really feels like a, a lot of pressure. Um, my uh, my loser of the week is, uh, I'm going to start with the bad and end it on the good. Uh, uh, my loser of the week is Julian Edelman. Um, as Tom Brady <laughs> seems to be um, sort of just rebuilding the Patriots in Tampa Bay, uh, Poor Julian Edelman uh, is being mocked mercilessly on the Twitters. Um, There is a really fantastic meme that uh, is a bad Photoshop uh, job. Julian Edelman's head where Will Smith's would be and Bill Belichick as Uncle Phil um, from the iconic episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air wherein Will's dad like ghosts on him again and uh, he asks Uncle Phil like, why he don't want me, man? Um, uh, and, uh, you know, I, uh, poor Julian Edelman, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be, is he carrying the Patriots now? Uh, maybe, uh, yeah, he's the offense of the Patriots, I guess. Right. Uh, hey, he used to play quarterback. Yeah, that's true. So maybe, maybe they'll, you know, it was like, you know what, YOLO, who cares? Like, this is. Um, this is a, this is a losing situation anyway, but, but poor Julian Edelman, right? Like Tom, Tom somehow convinces Tampa Bay that like signing Gronk is a good idea, but like 
won't bring you down. That's very sad. Uh, my winner of the week, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, yeah. is Jerry Jones. Uh, yeah. I, thought, I thought this was going to be a very different conversation uh, post, post first round oh, yeah. of the draft. We all, mm-hmm. uh, we all did. Jerry Jones, first of all, flexes on everybody in that like Hunger Games district governor looking uh, setup that he has. Uh, for on which it turns out is on his yacht, maybe right? yeah. Oh, like yeah. that is some that is BDE right there. Um, you know, here I am in my amazing two hundred and fifty million dollar yacht. Don't forget, I have a yacht, and I and and I'm so rich that I can do this from the water, like on a boat. Um, also, uh, that also led to several articles about said yacht and um. And a fun factoid that I learned uh, that I learned today, which is that that yacht at $250 million cost $100 million more than what he paid for the Cowboys. Now, when you look at what the Cowboys have grown into, like, uh, man, Jerry Jones, he's just winning left and right. Like, he's like the long-term uh, win. He's got that short-term, like, hey, man. First of all, I happen to pick up like an amazing receiver still happens to be there falling into my lap. I didn't make a stupid decision. Steven wasn't kicking my shins under the table to try to make <laughs> decisions. Like he had the greatest night um, probably of anybody last night. I think that like he showed people that he's capable of making a competent decision um, on board his, his quarter billion dollar yacht. So Jerry Jones, my winner of the week. Uh, bo- bonus winner for me. I'm, I'm sorry to cut in. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys saw the picture of his setup in his house. Uh, it looked like he was just doing the draft from the house from the movie Parasite. So right. I just wanted to throw yeah. that in. Just yep. beautiful house. Mm-hmm. Very nice. People living underneath him. I uh, I just thought about this now. Like you know, you saw Jerry and, and he was on the super yacht and he just looked like a he was supreme and and he was in control and exalted. And then they cut to Mike McCarthy who I have a sneaking suspicion is the adult version of the film Angus. You remember the film Angus? About that kid? <laughs> That's Mike McCarthy grown up is, is, uh, mm-hmm. is Angus. So His uh, head was covering up like more than half the screen. <laughs> he didn't know where the camera was. <laughs> he looked right. <laughs> like he was excited, but the, you know, he was pale. And yeah, his face, he, I just, he, you know, and I've got a, a decent sized TV and I had to like go back and ooh. But, uh, you know, I don't, I guess we're not paying him to be a, a fashion model, but I just, that fleeting thought went through my mind. Well, friends, uh, I really enjoyed this show, another show of Taking a Blitz. This goes out to all you Blitz heads out there. Please, we are now on iTunes. So if you want to go ahead, uh, like and subscribe to our show, let us know what's happening. Uh, would greatly appreciate it here. Uh, but from Adam Danger, Joshy Numbers, and the President Joy, thank you so much for listening. And uh, stay safe out there. Avoid the disinfectant.